So my prepared message uh, today is entitled, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And it's taken from Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm going to read a portion of that uh, within my prepared message. If you'd like to read the story in full, again, it's from Second Chronicles chapter 20. So let me tell you a quick story about a king in that chapter. His name is Jehoshaphat, and it's found in the Old Testament, the book of Second Chronicles. He became king of Judah at age 35 and reigned for about 25 years. And at this point, the kingdom was split. So you had the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And Jehoshaphat spent the first part of his reign fortifying his kingdom against the kingdom of Israel. And he spent a good portion of his time eliminating idolatrous influence within the kingdom of Judah, as well as inviting the people back into this deeper, more devoted connection with their own covenant, which is often known as the law. So essentially, Jehoshaphat is known or was known for bringing spiritual reform and renewal to the kingdom of Judah. Now, back in that day, countries and kingdoms um, often formed alliances, and they did this mainly for protection and peace. Sometimes those alliances went well, and sometimes they didn't. When they weren't going well, surrounding countries would form other alliances or confederacies against kingdoms like Judah. So there came a day when two countries known as the Moabites and the Ammonites, they formed one of these alliances, and they decided they were going to attack Judah. Now, historians tell us that there had been opportunities for Jehoshaphat and Judah, his country, his kingdom, to preemptively attack the Moabites and the Ammonites and get the upper hand. But Jehoshaphat was more focused on bringing spiritual renewal and reform to his people, and that, that later proved to be the greater of his strength, as we'll see. So the day comes when Jehoshaphat receives a message. This message is this, a large army from from beyond the sea is coming to attack you, and they aren't very, very far away. Now, I'm sure the kingdom of Judah had scouts keeping track of this approaching army, but when you read this, it feels as if this moment went from they're on their way to they're almost here. And Jehoshaphat's first response literally is he's frightened, or as the translation, the message puts it, he's shaken. Now, who would blame him? Anytime you and I are face-to-face with a battle that we didn't choose or one that feels overwhelming, chances are we're both shaken and frightened, and which is often our first response. Now, at this point of the story in the Old Testament, I want to begin making some very intentional connections with our own present-day circumstances. Now, King Jehoshaphat wasn't facing a pandemic, but he was facing a situation that has similar parallels to our lives today. He was facing a great challenge and a battle, and so are we. He was facing an enemy that was attacking him, and in many ways, we feel as if this coronavirus is this unseen enemy attacking us. He was frightened and shaken. And my sense is that many of us have felt frightened and shaken through this whole pandemic, and we may still still feel very fearful and shaken and frightened even now. Now, as I've thought about this, first question I ask myself is, am I I reaching too much to try and make one situation fit the other? In other words, am I stretching the bounds of what they call biblical exegesis by trying to squeeze an Old Testament story of impending battle into this ongoing story of a global pandemic? Now, to be honest, I don't really know. I'm going to let you determine that within yourself. What I do know is this, and what I can testify to is this. People today feel as if they are in the midst of a struggle. And it's causing them to feel frightened, and it's causing them to feel shaken. A few weeks ago, people could see via the news this sickness 
beginning to manifest itself in other countries and other places around the world, and we weren't sure where it would go or how far it would spread. But now it's here, and here we are. And in a sense, we're right in the middle of this battle. Now, what I do know is this. I don't want the pandemic story to be the only one that's in play right now in my life, or quite honestly, in our lives. What I want and what I think is needed is a much larger story to give shape, to give guidance, and to give direction for my life and our lives. And I believe this simple story of King Jehoshaphat and how he responds to his battle, this battle that he faces, is really a story worth my attention, and it's a story worth our attention. Or to put it another way, what do you do when you don't know what to do? And I really believe and think that King Jehoshaphat gives us a glimpse. So back to King Jehoshaphat. As soon as he receives the news of the approaching attack, the scripture says that he decided to seek the Lord. Or simply put, he prayed. Now, which may on the surface seem like an obvious response. But in reality, there have been times when I've been faced with a challenge or a decision. Or I'm feeling overwhelmed with fear. I'm feeling overwhelmed with a challenging battle. And my first inclination has not been to pray. But my first inclination has been to try and figure it out all about or for myself. Many times my form of praying has basically been, if you will, for me to come up with a plan and then I ask God to come along and bless it, sort of like asking God to sign off on it. That's not really prayer. That's simply me wanting to come up with a solution as quickly as possible and then asking God to sign off on it so I can get things going and I can get things moving. Now, however I want to describe it, it's still me wanting to be in control. And there's nothing harder, there's nothing more challenging than admitting that you, admitting that I, admitting that we are not the ones in control. This is why the end of King Jehoshaphat's prayer is both so beautiful and yet so profound. This is how he ends it in 2 Chronicles 20. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, and so we're looking to you, which is God. We're looking to you for help. Now, it's interesting that step one in Alcoholics Anonymous reads this way, quote, We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. See, I think the key is admitting to our own powerlessness against all the forces we're doing battle with and that we're not the ones in control. And to enter into prayer is to enter into this divine space where we willingly give ourselves over to God's direction, over to God's guidance, over to God's control. Prayer is not about entering into this power struggle with God. Prayer is about confessing this. We don't know what to do, and so we're looking to you, God, for help. In many ways, life does feel unmanageable right now. And it's that moment, it's this very moment, in which we recognize that there is this greater power, capital P, than our own wisdom and our own ingenuity. In fact, the recovery language is probably appropriate, since it's easy to become so addicted to our own methods, our own ingenuity, our own solutions and expertise, that we don't seek God as much as we often sidestep God. And when we've come up with the plan, then we ask God to bless it. And what do we do when we don't know what to do? Well, we confess this to divine, to the divine, and we simply say, we don't know what to do. And so we're looking to you for help. That's an honest prayer. 
That is a real prayer. Now, this is, I believe, where we find ourselves as a Quaker faith community, Deep River Friends, at this present time. As most of you know, we're at phase one in our state um, in regards to the coronavirus pandemic. And as it stands, we're scheduled to be at phase one until May 22nd, and then we'll know what the next steps are statewide. Now, what it means for us at Deep River Friends is we'll continue to worship as we have been through Zoom, through YouTube, and our live stream platforms. And we'll continue to stay connected uh, through email, letters, and our newly formed care groups. But we also know that we have some decisions to make as to how we're going to proceed and what a way forward will look like for Deep River Friends in terms of worship and our community life. That is why we're bringing it to our monthly meeting for business this Thursday as a matter of discernment. And I use the term discernment intentionally. Discernment really means to separate out. It means to look at, to examine, to look at the different parts. And discernment is always about seeking God's will and direction and aligning our actions and our next steps and a way forward with God's will and God's intentions and God's purposes. And our monthly meeting for business is the place to do this, since for years, ever since uh, their inception, for Quakers, our business meetings have always been first and foremost a meeting for worship for the purpose of business. We have committee reports, of course. We have our financial reports, of course. But it's always within this awareness that we are in a meeting for worship. And our main purpose is to listen to God's voice as we seek God's direction, as we seek God's wisdom, as we seek to live in alignment with God's purposes. So my invitation for us is to be in prayer for our monthly meeting for business so we can create the kind of space in our soul necessary to hear God's voice and direction clearly. I'm going to invite us to pray for the members of our ministry and council committee who are charged with the spiritual care and oversight of Deep River Friends, regardless of what kind of season we're in. Pray as they consider options for our next steps, that they'll receive clarity around God's direction and guidance for our meeting. And finally, I would invite us as a faith community to be in prayer all day Thursday, this coming Thursday, for our worship and business meeting that evening. In fact, we go back to the passage in 2 Chronicles 20. Just like King Jehoshaphat, I would invite us to take some time on Thursday for prayer and fasting and prayer for our gathering via Zoom that evening. Now, if you've never fasted before, this may be a new thing, but we don't have to make it hard. Fasting can take many forms. You can set aside time that you'd be eating and use that time as a time for prayer. Maybe you choose to fast from the news of the day or fast from a TV show or fast from social media. To fast is really to abstain from something, and when you abstain from that, you use that time to be in prayer. You use that time to be in a silence, to be listening to God. So I'm going to invite us to pray and fast as you feel led on Thursday this week. Take a few moments during the day. Fast from something you would typically do and offer prayers for Deep River Friends meeting and our journey together and our ongoing discernment. Now, at the end of Jehoshaphat's prayer, there's a fellow by the name of Jahaziel who offers these encouraging words. Quote, pay attention, all of Judah, every inhabitant of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged by this great army, because the battle isn't yours, it belongs to God. And then he tells them to march out against the Ammonites and the Moabites and stand ready and watch how God will deliver them through the battle. And Jahaziel ends by saying these words, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, go out tomorrow and Face them, 
and the Lord will be with you. You see, here's the thing, I think, about trusting God. It's never about avoiding our challenges and our battles. Rather, it's always about facing up to them, squaring up to them, and realizing that we're not alone in the struggle, but that God is with us as we stand ready to face it. As a meeting, we're being called to pray, but we're also being called to turn towards the struggle and challenge and face it head on. I don't think avoiding conversations or decisions makes it go away. And what people of faith always do is they accept the challenge. They go out and they meet it and they face it with the deep awareness that God is with them and that God is with us. And as we stand to take our place, we can stand and face that which we need to address. And I believe we have the gifts. I believe we have the resources. I believe we have the people, the faith, and the resolve literally to face this challenge and meet it in a way that's going to sustain us uh, for the short term and for the long haul. And let me simply add this. The story of Jehoshaphat can also be the largest story for every part of our lives. So, because we're always going to have some type of challenge, battle, or struggle in our life. The wisdom in this story is this. Whatever challenges or struggles you may be facing or whatever you will face, always face them head on. Always square up to them. Go out to meet them. Don't be afraid to face it, whatever it might be. Lean into them. Lean into them. A relationship challenge, an addiction, a tough decision, a disruption in your life, an unexpected turn in your life, or even a loss in your life. Choose to face it with the awareness that God is with you, and God will always be with you as you face your struggle. As individuals, we'll have challenges to face. As a faith community, we will always have challenges to face. As a nation, we will always have challenges to face, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's economic, whether it's political, or even whether it's issues like structural racism. Always at these moments, we're invited to make a space for prayer and even fasting, not as a way to avoid facing our challenges, but as a way of paying attention and listening for the wisdom of God's presence the wisdom that God offers us and reminding ourselves that we are powerless to fix this on our own and that we need God's presence and that we need God's wisdom. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Well, we say like King Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, God, but we're coming to you for help. Our eyes are upon you. So before we stake out our positions on anything, I invite us all to make space for prayer and to discover or rediscover God's power in the form of wisdom, God's power in the form of insight, God's power in the form of deeper awareness, maybe God's power in the form of compassion or even patience, God's power in the form of resilience, God's power in the form of endurance, or even God's power in the form of courage. Because we really are ultimately uh, powerless to do anything about it but it's out of our control. But we can be those kind of people that allow ourselves to be filled, allow ourselves to be energized, allow ourselves to be infused with this mystery, this mysterious power of God that comes to us when we avail ourselves to prayer, when we avail ourselves to God's presence, and when we seek God as the one who provides us wisdom. Now, this past week uh, was a national day of prayer, May 7th. Uh, to be exact. And in closing, I want to read this prayer by um, a Methodist bishop named Ken Carter, who used to be from this area. He's now a bishop um, in Florida. Uh, he penned this prayer and uh, posted it 
And I just thought it was a beautiful prayer, so I'd like to offer this as we close. Jesus, you are the one who heals us in our brokenness, in our fear, and in disease. Send healing persons into the lives of all who call upon you. Use the gifts and skills of physicians, nurses, and therapists, and protect them and all who labor with them and all those who attend to patients and serve their most basic needs. Comfort families separated from their loved ones and isolated in their grief. Heal our nation from the divisions that harm us. Teach us that there is no individual healing apart from social healing. We are profoundly connected to one another. Your will is not that we spread illness. Your will is that we share grace. Channel the abundant gifts of scientists toward a breakthrough and challenge politicians to steward their influence for the common good. Our national life has become unmanageable. We turn to you. We depend on you. Lead us to life and peace and healing. Amen and amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you. Be well. Always praying for you, always thinking about you, and always missing you. And I hope you will be well this week. And let's be praying for each other every day this week. And let's be praying for our meeting for worship for the purpose of business this Thursday at 7 o'clock. Thank you. God bless.